Hello and welcome to the Turtle Tracks podcast with your host, Brian Van Hooker. I am audio engineer Ian Williams, and today Brian is going to be continuing his last Ronin interview series with colorist Luis Antonio Delgado. So without further ado, let's check it out. So, uh, yeah, I guess to get started, um, if you don't mind, could you speak a little bit to your um, experience before Ninja Turtles? I've looked it up, but, I, you know, just so that everybody <laughs> My experience with Ninja Turtles or my experience working uh, before Last Ronin. Some of your experience before Last Ronin. As a colorist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a colorist. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't sure when you were talking about my experience personally with uh, Ninja Turtles as a kid and everything. That's my next question. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. As a colorist, well, my experience was I was able to work with Ninja Turtles for the first time when I did um, a crossover between Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles. And <laughs> <clears throat> and I did. I was doing Ninja. I, I did like ninety-four issues of Ghostbusters, and nine of those were crossovers with Ninja Turtles. So that was my first experience with Ninja Turtles before the last running. But I did. I've done like over one hundred and fifty comic books, and most of them have been with IDW, and most of them have been with uh, were Ghostbusters. Oh, very cool. Yeah. How did that differ from what you did with Turtles? <clears throat> well, the difference between Ghostbusters and Running or Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters and Turtles? Uh, between Ghostbusters and Last Ronin. Ah, very different. Very, very, very different. Huge difference. It's, it's not only the process. If I can speak about it, I don't know if how deep are going Kevin and everyone else about the process, but Kevin, is he was um, involved in every aspect of the book, every panel and every word, everything. So he, he, we had to, to wait for him to do the layouts and then the Scorsa brothers would do the, the inks or Ben Bishop would do the inks and I would be doing the pages as they would come, as they would come. And between the Scorsa brothers and Ben Bishop, I would have, I would receive pages from two different artists. So I would have to jump between styles and, um, and it was a longer process. Uh, things were being um, polished as we, as we were working on them and uh, just, be, uh, just to make them better. And usually in Ghostbusters, it was first the script, then uh, the, the pencils or inks, but it, it was just one at a time. And I'd be doing with my, my regular penciler. His name is Dan Shenin. And he, we, would be, we would work together uh, more on the art, just the two of us. And we running, it was the two of us, well, the three of us, or the four of us, and Kevin Eastman. So it would be a lot of people involved in the process. Oh, interesting. Cool. Um, you know, I'd love to hear, uh, you know, while we're on the subject of style changes, how did you separate, like, how did your work different from, like, Ben Bishop's, which were in the past, and the Escorza brothers, which were in the future? How did you, like... What was the differences for your purposes? Okay, for starters, we had to do their styles are very different. So oh, yeah. I couldn't approach este, the scores of brothers and Ben Bishop the same way because the lines, the Ben Bishop uses very thin lines, and the scores of brothers were doing very expressive and dark uh, inks. So it was very different from that from the beginning, and because of the difference between the the noir present dark uh, um, environment of the running versus the past. 
uh, I went with different kind of colors, more less saturated and a little bit more pastel. I, I don't know the word in English, like, I don't know. It's, uh, they're softer. And I would, I would uh, color the, the, the inks from Ben Bishop. And then I would add a little bit of a um, filter to make it look flashback. So yeah, it's like a little haziness to it. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was all Ben. Um, I gotta be honest. I'm not gonna take um, credit for something that it's not mine. So Ben, he was the the one that that created the filter, and I just reuse it every other time. And we've been working together on other stuff, and I've been reusing it because he loves it so much. Like, can you add the filter? And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll add the filter. <laughs> Great, I love that. Yeah, very cool. And it, it was actually very different the the style that I was painting with the with Ben Bishop. I would use selection and then try with a soft brush to do the highlights. But with the Scorsa Brothers, I would use a, a, hard, a hard, hard brush. I would just go very low on opacity and paint one on top of the other, like doing and doing and doing and doing and doing until the, the right amount of light would come from the, from the inks. So it was a different process. It was harsher with the Scorsa Brothers and it was softer with Ben. It's so interesting because I was wondering, uh, you know, before I really was looking into it, I was like, man, I wonder if these are the same colorists because they're so different. And it, it's so great, like how how they really, it, you immediately know where you are in the story. Because sometimes when you do flashbacks and the turtles don't age a lot, right? So like you immediately know where you're at, not just the style differences, but like the huge color palette difference. So. No, thank you. Yeah, I try to, I try as a colorist that if you are reading a comic book and not reading, just going through the pages on a comic book store or, the, or wherever you are, you you can immediately realize that you are changing something. In this case, it's like from future to past, and in other cases, it's a story that doesn't feel like the same scene. So you you know you're jumping between daytimes or or environments or whatever. So I try to make every palette different from each other, so you know what it's going on without even having to read the pages. Cool. Uh... So let me ask you, what was your your own personal experience with the Ninja Turtles? Did you grow up with them? Oh, yeah, totally. I was a, a big, big uh, 80s kid. So I, I grew up with Ghostbusters. I grew up with uh, Transformers. There was uh, Silver Silver Hawks. It was a cartoon. Hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. The Thundercats. Um, I don't know. Uh, we in Mexico, we had an anime cartoon. It was Saint Seiya. So I used to love Saint Seiya. It was okay. Uh, it was an anime, and of course, Ninja Turtles was a huge part of me growing up. I actually asked for a, a skateboard for my birthday. Uh, never learned, but I had my skateboard, and I had a, <laughs> had a Michelangelo uh, sticker on it. I, I loved it. I could never learn, but I had it. <laughs> what was the title of the turtles there, by the way? I'm curious. Uh, it's, it's the same, but in Spanish, like Tortu este, uh, only Tortugas Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Okay. Instead of the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's just like Ninja Turtles, Tortugas Ninja. Cool. And um, when I was a kid, I actually used to wear band-aids on my elbows, but they were colored band-aids for kids. So I was like a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, who was your favorite turtle? Michelangelo. Yeah? Yeah, cool. he was always my favorite, I think. He was funny. I was a kid, so I was childish. You can see because I work in comic books, so... I was always like a big kid, even when I was a kid, it was, I was still a kid. So I, I, always, I was always drawn to that kind of personality. Uh, Michelangelo was really fun for me and he was 
always joking and smiling and he had the the skateboard and everything and, and I, I love nunchucks oh yeah they're fun yeah yeah so he was my favorite uh, my favorite's always been Donatello, but in video games, I always like playing Michelangelo best because the nunchucks were always way more fun than any other toy, than any other weapon. Yeah, yeah I used to love the arcade game, and I would love playing with the nunchucks. Um, so how did you get the job on Last Roman? I had to do a tryout. Uh, I've known Tom Waltz for 15 years. Okay. Uh, he, he was my editor in Ghostbusters, and he's been my editor in... A lot of other projects like Godzilla, G.I. Joe, um, many others. So he knows me. He he likes my work. He enjoys my work. He knows I'm very professional and I deliver. So he they had the opportunity. I know they changed artists from the first issue. I don't know the reason why. I just know there was the opportunity. And he reached out. He said, I, do you want to try it? Here's uh, two, two pages that from the former artist and he gave them to me and I, I had to try to copy the style that it, it was previously um, decided to go with so I just tried it and they enjoyed it they gave it to Kevin Kevin liked it but then I had to wait for Nickelodeon's approval and that was like uh, nail-biting I was really sure. I really wanted to take the have the project but it, it didn't depend on Tom or Kevin so it was uh, out of my control I was really nervous but it, it went well so that's the way I I got the project. <laughs> Very cool. Um, uh, what? So we talked about this a little bit, but like, I'm curious what influenced your color choices in both past and, and, and like, was there any movies or anything like that that informed the look of these books? Well, uh, with the, the present, they have like five, six pages already colored before I joined the project, you know, oh. the former artist. So I went with that style and then it developed once I start talking with Kevin, he has a lot of references. He mentioned a lot of uh, Electra, well, Daredevil, the 80s Daredevil from Frank Miller. Mm. And, you know, uh, the Dark Knight's obviously a big influence. And he also he also loved, uh, obviously, the um, Blade Runner. That's so, Blade Runner. Yeah. So I went with that style and I would do a lot of research. For example, I was watching, re-watching the Clone Wars. It's the Star Wars Clone Wars, and there were a lot of, uh, how do you say, like a lot of light on the cities, but at the same time it was dark cities. Like on Coruscant, the the places that were not the high places with the Jedi were a little bit darker. So mm -hmm. I went with that for the for the bottom. I tried to do something different. I tried to to um, research a lot and find things that I felt that work with that uh, with that purpose and just had a lot of reference to reuse when I needed them. Very cool. Um, one thing I thought was interesting too was how differently you colored uh, Michael in the present day, uh, Michelangelo from the brothers when they would be in the background. I, I don't know if you want to speak to that at all. Okay, yeah, it's uh, when we first uh, see the brothers, they're really hidden on the, on the shadow. So I was supposed to be, you were supposed to see them, but at the same time, not see them. So I went with trying to make them part of the shadows. Mm -hmm. And then when we were, it was, they were more obvious on issue two, three, four, and even issue five, I had to go with the same, the same treatment. Like they were there, but not there. So they were not really colored and you could see them, but in a different, I, I added different kind of layers. 
trying to blend them with the background. And so you could realize that something, even without reading the page and even without knowing what's the story, you would realize something is wrong. So it would immediately jump and you would try to pay attention and realize that something is different. So that's the, the path I went. The, uh, when did you find out it was uh, Michelangelo? The oh, till the very end. Oh, not till the very end of that issue? Yeah, <clears throat> almost the very end because, <laughs> sorry. How did you feel, like what, what did you think when you found that out? I was happy because I'm a, I'm a Michelangelo fan, so I was happy with him. What, did, is that who you suspected it would be? No, I had no idea. I, got, I mean, yeah. it was obviously some, someone that had went through a lot of things. So it, yeah. couldn't, it couldn't be just the personality. Like, he's similar to Raphael, of course. But that didn't mean that he was Raphael. It could have been Leonardo. And yeah. um, so it could have been anyone. Especially because he was, at the beginning, he was wearing, now, using different weapons. You know, I don't know the name of the weapons, but the, the metal ones. Yeah, so it was neither of the four classic weapons, so it could have been any of the turtles. So almost at the end, I realized they told me it was Michelangelo. They told me to keep it secret, and then I was excited, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I, I, I remember when it was like hype, being hyped up. I was thinking like, I, I hope it's either Michelangelo or Leo, because Michelangelo, it's the most interesting story, right? Or Leo, because I feel like he would have so much guilt from having everybody else died that it'd be interesting. But like Rafi's already kind of there and like Donatello was already so resourceful that it kind of wouldn't be that much of a change. So like I, when I heard it was Mikey, I was like, that's, that's perfect. It's, it was the most interesting turn. So. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, if the, it's a post-apocalyptic apocalyptic tale and it's Batman, he's a darker Batman. Yeah. So yeah. what's the difference? But it's, if it's Superman, he, he carries with the burden of, of failure and everything, and it changes a little bit of the narrative. So it makes sense like what you said. Um, I'm curious, as uh, as uh, you were going through the issues, is which death or is there any of the different turtle character deaths that like stuck with you more or you thought were the most powerful? I'm just curious if there's anything in particular. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you read the credits on the book. I have a flatter. He was my color assistant. His name is Samuel Plata. Okay. So he was working with me, uh, doing the flats, and we were work, working together. And he felt Raphael's death the most. Mm. So it, it kind of affect me, affected me too. Like, yeah, I know. And he was like uh, a tear on his eye, on the emojis. And, but, and, it, and it was very brutal. I mean, yeah. the way that Leo and, and Casey died, it was heroic. The way uh, Don Donatello died, Protecting his father is beautiful, but the way that Raphael died, full of rage and hate, just going after after Hiroto's mother, uh, it was just so strong. And then the way he died with a knife on his on his jaw, well, on his face, his head, it was really heavy. So I think that one, I think that one is the one that hit the most. I guess. Cool. That's great. Um, let me see here. Uh... You know, I was going to go through this issue by issue just real quick. Uh, is there anything in particular from issue one that was a particular challenge or anything like that that you wanted to point out? Oh, big challenge. To make it different between the bottom and the middle of part of New York City, uh, I had to to try to make, in the, make them different and try to understand what Kevin had in mind 
because when I, I changed from the bottom to the middle, I went with bright colors, but I tried to do something uh, colorful, but, uh, you know, like gradients and all kind of stuff. And at the beginning, if you see the first two pages at the bottom, they were very pinkish. Yeah. And, and Kevin didn't like that. So it was like, that's okay. There's a lot of parts in the middle, so maybe we can shuffle around with different kind of colors. So I had to try to do different colors. He sent me some references, but they were they don't always match because some references are from uh, illustrations. So it's not the same as a comic book with different sure. kind of panels. And some are really detailed, so I can't do that with every single panel for uh, 20 pages. So from issue issue one, the most challenging part was going into the into the middle part of New New York, New New York. That was the most challenging. What about issue two? Any issue two. Okay, issue two was uh, Raphael's uh, fight at the yep. docks because it was a really dark scene and the Foot Clan is already dark, trying to blend. I could have made them brighter, but they ninja, so I felt that I had to make them blend and at the same time, had to make without the dark lines that they usually have uh, with dark inks. Mm. Like I said, I had to paint the ink with Ben's, with Ben's flashbacks. So it was really challenging to make them pop from the page and that you could understand what's going on because there were so many Foot Clan ninjas. So that was challenging from the second book. Very cool. Uh, what about three? Three. Um, <laughs> If there's if something that pops out, don't worry about it. You just skip it. Uh, sorry, can you repeat? I'm, I'm losing the internet. Oh, sure. I'm saying if, if there's anything about three that, that stands out to you, that was a challenge. And if there isn't for any particular one, that's fine. Just it's no big deal. I don't think there was a challenge with issue three. I, I just know it was really enjoyable to do the flashback, the bright colors from the explosion and all the fire and um, the designs, they were really, really cool. They were colorful and we were going with really dark colors for issue three. And then the past was really colorful. That was really good. And I like oranges and, and reds and yellows. So mm. I enjoyed that, that scene. What about uh, issue four? Issue four was challenging the, the first two pages of the flashback when we mm. were in Japan. And it was really challenging to to the design of the colors for the for uh, Donatello's clan, because uh, they have so many references. Uh, Tom actually sent me like, here, here, here you go, dude. There's uh, this is the whole library of IDW comic books. So it's like I have I don't know 150 books just to look through them to realize how to color the the clan, and it was like crazy. <laughs> that's great um what about the final issue any particular challenges with that i just read it it's great oh yeah uh the scene when we were at the tower yeah at the beginning at the beginning of at the end of issue four i put the the thing that it was uh red lights because you know when something happens red lights from emergency just they turn on so that's what i did for the first issue and i was worried that the whole issue was going to be red lights so that was really challenging to trying to to make a difference in the colors and the and the pattern that will make a Michelangelo, a Michelangelo pop and make all the soldiers pop. So that was kind of tough, but it was fun because at the end, when you have all the whole issue, that part stands out because you saw the dark reds and everything. 
I think. What did you think of the ending when you first got it? Like the pay, the, it, what, how it all ended. So are we allowed to talk about it? This is not a spoiler, right? <laughs> This is not going to run for another month. So I think it's fine by now. Ah, okay. it, by the time it goes out there, it'll be fine. So. Uh, I was a little bit sad. I mean, it, it makes sense. And it's, um, it's good. It's beautiful. But at the same time, it made me sad because I was looking forward to Michelangelo training um, Casey. And yeah, exactly. new family because he was alone for like what 20 years yeah and so he was really depressed and really alone and then there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and i wanted him to enjoy it but i guess that that was really you know, really similar to the dark knight so maybe that's why he didn't go that way and it makes sense that he wanted to he wanted peace so being alive wasn't gonna be uh erasing the ghost of his past and all the all the ache and all the burden so it made sense that if he dies he can now rest so i was okay with it but i, I love that too actually i was really surprised by that when he's just like cuts it off with his brothers oh yeah you know that was really interesting to me i, I liked that a lot yeah I, i imagine that it's that it actually happened you know like it's heaven but it's his heaven and he's reunited with his family so he's okay yeah. now so i like that Yeah, I'm curious. I'm going to talk to Tom next week, and I'm curious, like, what did he see it as? Did he see it as Mike? Mikey's in his head, or is it? Is it they're really there? I'm, I'm, I'm so curious. What, he, what do you think? I'm sure he'll say, you know, it's up to the interpretation. But yeah, but I like, but actually, like you say, it's in, it's in his head. I like uh, when Harry Potter talks to Dumbledore, and he asks, <laughs> "Is this real, or is it my head?" And he says, "Oh, it's of course it's in your head. That doesn't mean it's not real." Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's so funny and this, I didn't notice this until, um, I just reread them all last night. The, the first issue, whenever Mikey's narrating the, the blocks are a pale orange. And I was like, well, how the hell did I not notice that? <laughs> I just didn't, I don't know what it was, but I, I, I figured that out on the last page and it was Mikey, but up until that point, it's orange blocks. I should have figured it out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you... You probably you're probably okay because it could have been a clue. It could have been misguiding. It could have been just a color palette. Yeah, this yeah. Is, so. But even when Raph talks for a second, it's like a slightly pinkish reddish one. And I was like, I I just I was like, how the hell did I not catch it? So. <laughs> uh, my last question for you is, how did it feel about like the um, the hype of this whole thing? You know, it's such a big story for the turtles. How how, how did it feel being a part of it? Amazing. It's just a blessing that I'm actually part of something this big. It's not only, it's part, but it's not only the fact that it's Ninja Turtles. I mean, Ninja Turtles is huge. And being part of something that big that touches so many people. For example, we wouldn't be talking if it wasn't for oh, yeah. Ninja Turtles. So that's an example of uh, people reaching because of something this big. And that is just amazing. I'm working with Kevin Eastman. It's just crazy Imagine to imagine that I grew up We're watching and, uh, and loving something that he created. And now he he writes to me and he says, hey, bro, how are you doing? And everything like he now knows who I am. So that is in a personal level. That is amazing. But in a bigger picture, it's so great to see that IDW just blew all of the records of selling. It, it's unbelievable how many reprints i think the first one has five reprints and the second one four something like that they're reprinting oh, yeah. and reprinting and i can't imagine what's going to be with the, the hardcover 
and everybody is talking about it and most people are loving it and it's so great that I just feel lucky to be part of it. You know, you touched on something there that I thought I should have thought to ask. Um, uh, what's it like working with Kevin Eastman? Like, what's he oh, like? It's amazing. I mean, it's like working with someone that it's actually passionate about he what he does. It's not just the love of the turtles that he used to have. And then he grew up and it changed. No, he's still as passionate about it as he was when he was a kid. Because, well, if he were, when he was younger. Yeah. But it, because it's still his baby. So you don't stop loving your kid. So it's still his kid. And he was really, really into it. And he was trying to uh, bring his idea in this, the, into the pages. So sometimes it would be like, I like it. But would you, like, would you mind doing a, a little trick? And, and you're like, okay, I can do it. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Yeah, okay, just a little bit more. It's just like, okay, I can do it. Don't worry. Because he's Kevin Eastman. What are you going to say? Like, nah, dude, I'm done doing tweaks with you. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tweak it all you like. I don't care. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the process, he was developing the story as it went. I mean, I'm not, I'm not so familiar with the story behind the scenes with Tom. I know they talk all the time. Sure. But I don't know how it evolved from maybe an origi- original idea and then he saw the pages and he saw something and then realized that the idea was growing and changing. And that was just amazing. I mean, it's not like, and because we were not being hurried, like there, there used to be to hurry. You have a deadline, like in all movies. Now they realize that if the movie just comes out because of our deadline, yeah. it's going to suck. So now they give you time and Kevin did the same. So it took so long to, for us to deliver each issue because he was doing it we love and doing, I think for the shredder design, he, he must have done, I don't know, dozens of designs. I oh, think wow. he only showed us one or two for the Scorsa brothers and for myself, but he, I think he did dozens of dozens of designs at home, deciding which road to go, which, which way to go. And that is amazing to see the love that he put and the love that we put into it had to reflect it because he's like the leader. And if you just, have play it, you're, it's going to suck. I mean, he's giving everything. Why you, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm set. Is there anything else you want to say about this book or anything? Because that was that was beautiful. Thank you. That was perfect. Ah, maybe if that's perfect, then, then I should just say goodbye. Not really. That was good. <laughs> it was a huge honor to talk to you. I really, I love your work in this. And it was just, you know, it's, it was fantastic. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. No, man, thank you. If, and anytime, if you ever want to talk again about totals or anything else, just reach out and I'm always here for you. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.